time through the book of James. And uh, I'm sorry that it went so fast. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in this book. We could probably preach through it again if you want. There's lots of stuff we, uh, we maybe didn't get through. But uh, as a father who's about to not see his daughter for a while, um, I was thinking about, well, we're in the middle of this series. Can I just, you know, stop the series and then just tell her all the stuff I've wanted to tell her for the last 18 years in, the, in front of everybody? So, um, or what would be the best message from the Bible that I could actually impart to her before she, she leaves? You know, what would that be? And I started doing the study on this week's uh, passage and I didn't have to worry about it because this is it. Um, this particular passage is so vital that if anybody was going to not see anybody for a while, this would be a great passage for, for them to know and to understand and to learn. Um, this passage is pretty powerful. And it's found in James 5, starting with verse 13, going to the end of the chapter, um, verse 20. I'll just give you a little bit of a, a background to what this scripture is all about, because this is, we did a, a series of, of lessons quite a while ago on the most misunderstood scriptures of the Bible. And we didn't actually do this one, but we should have, um, because this one uh, is one of the most misunderstood scriptures in the Bible, and I'm hope, I hope you'll see why as we start to get into it a little bit. There's an old uh, Christian guy, his name was Dietrich Barnhofer. A German guy. Um, he lived from 1906 to 1945, so many years ago. He was martyred, he was killed in 1945 at the hands of the Gestapo when he was only 39 years old. And the reason he was killed was because he was planting churches and preaching Jesus uh, in Germany during the occupation of Germany by the Nazis. And he was not only doing that, but he not only planted churches, but he'd helped uh, establish a school to train uh, preachers and teachers and people to go out and do what he was doing. He's a very well-respected man. If you ever have time to read his life story, it's very much worth it. Um, he was a Lutheran pastor and he was a theologian, but he also had, he was just an incredible Christian man. Um, and there was a famous author who wrote, once wrote about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he said these words. He says, when I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some words come into my mind. Uh, these are the words. Look what a wonderful man that is living on the earth. <laughs> he made such an impact on the people around him that that's what people thought of him. It make, make, makes me think, what kind of man am I? What would people say about me? Uh, what would people think about my witness where, where I am in, in the schools and in my family and, and as a father and a, and a husband? Um, Barnhofer was so impactful. He, he wrote a little book. It's my favorite book of his. It's entitled Life Together. Um, and it's a great little book. It's only 100 pages, so if you, you can grab a hold of it, order it, uh, it is well worth reading. And basically, it's outlining what I believe James is saying in this passage that we're talking about this morning. Life together. This little book, it's a, it's a passionate call to all of us 
to live in community and what that looks like and how that feels. Um, the book arises out of Nazi Germany in this clandestine effort that he made to plant churches and to teach people about Jesus. He was wanting, he was asking himself, what's the most effective way in a country where they're not going to allow this and they're going to look down on it? What's the most effective way to share the gospel, share Jesus with other people? And guess what he came up with? Community. Living life together. That's what he said was the most important thing. The book talks about some very simple things. You know, you would think that this, you know, world-renowned theologian would have all these deep thoughts about what should be done to share Jesus with the world. But these are the, some of the simple things that he says in the book. We should sing together as a community. He says, when we live together, we should be singing together. We should live together. We should read together. We should pray together. We should love each other every single day. We should worship together. We should work together and serve others together. Very simple things. Very simple things, yet very profound when they're put into practice. I've always kind of been intrigued by this idea of life together in the church uh, because it's really the essence of Christianity. It's the essence of what Christianity is all about. Um, sometimes theologians will refer uh, to a pastor who has a high regard for the importance of, of Jesus as he has a high, they use this long word called Christology. In other words, he has, he has a high view of who Jesus is. And I've known many people who felt their Christian life was just fine without the church. They don't they they might think really highly of Jesus, but they don't think highly of his church. There's a lot of people that will say, I've got burned by the church. I've had a really negative church experience in the past, so I don't ever want to go back there. I don't ever want to be a part of it. Um, but I've learned that over time, yes, the church doesn't always get it right. But we're a community. What community gets it right, by the way? What community are you looking for that is perfect all the time? And can you find such a community? No, there is no community out there that gets it perfect all the time. We all make mistakes, and that's the whole point. We're all just a bunch of people who are messed up, and we're just trying to get along the best we can. But we can't do that alone. We've got to do that together, in community together, living together life living this life together and that's exactly what james is trying to encourage us to do in this passage i can't imagine life without a community a church community for me church is really life together and it's not just a matter of uh sharing time in the same building or uh sharing all uh, you know all the things that we do together in church we're reminded of what life really should be about. And if we're doing it right, then we should be doing that right together. Sometimes we get it wrong. You know, if the church, church has become many, many different things. Uh, you know, if, if the church is only a, a service to attend, if it's only a message to listen to, if it's only an exchange, uh, of ideas, if it's only singing songs that no one knows and lights 
and highlights from performers up the front. Uh, if that's what church is about, then I, I don't know if I would want to be a part of a church like that. That that's all that it's about. But if it's about living life together and loving each other and connecting with each other on a regular basis, then that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And that's the kind of church we're trying to create within this community. I can't imagine life without a church that's relevant to my life and that gives me something every week that I can look forward to. Coffee with a friend, um, praying for somebody who's doing it tough. Or maybe I come to church and I'm doing it tough and somebody says to me an encouraging word or, or gives me a hug and says, man, I've missed you. That's what church is. That's what church is. In the church, we live life together. And if you look, James gives us a picture of what that looks like. Verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. If any of you, is any of you among you sick? Then let him call for some of the church to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Is there among you those who have committed sins? He will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man in a nature just like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, as James ends this letter, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's the picture of the church. And oftentimes we only, we only concentrate on one or two of those things. You know, we're oftentimes we're concentrating, well, you know, this means that we can pray and people will be healed. So that's what this passage must really be focused on. Or we think about, oh, we need to go out there and turn people from their wicked ways. You know, that's, and that's what people focus on. Those are just little sections in this whole picture of what? What's he trying to say? This is what community looks like. When community is doing it well, when church is doing it well, if there's somebody suffering, guess what? We need to be right there suffering with them. Hey, is there somebody cheerful? Is there somebody celebrating something? Guess what? The community does what? You may not, not you may not like the knights, but man, Jess is infectious when they win, right? And it kind of makes you want to like them, doesn't? Well, not some of you. So, some of you have a little little work to do on community, maybe. But but what what I'm saying is that's how community works, doesn't it? And oftentimes we forget about that. Matter of fact, uh, the the reason the whole reason why we do our prayer time the way we do it is because of this passage. Because a lot of people, when it comes to prayer time, they only focus on what? All the crap that's happening in our life. Who wants that, by the way? Who wants to focus on that 24 hours a day? When you come into community, we should be focusing on not only that, 
but we should be focused on the good stuff that goes on in our life. And it's changed me. I'd, I've never done that uh, in any other church that I've been at except for this one. And it's changed the way I live my life. When I live my life throughout the week, I don't look for the bad things nearly as much. I'm looking for the good things. Because I can come here and I can tell you the good things that have happened. And it makes my day. It makes my week to know that I have a community that is focused on those things. We need to live life together. Here's a man who, you know, on any given Sunday in this room contains people who are, you know, maybe near to giving birth or those who are near to dying or have a, a friend of theirs who, who's near to dying. There's on the other side, there might be a, a young mother who feels her life will never be right again after divorce. Or maybe on the other side is a woman who's newly engaged and she's excited about marriage. I mean, here's that's community. We have one person who's just really bitter about relationship and marriage and another person who's starting it right back up. I'm not pointing to anybody in particular. So I'm just saying. That's the dynamic. Is that the dynamic of community. The fact that we have all these things going on in our own individual lives and we get to come together and we get to, to share with one another those things, the good and the bad. Oftentimes, either churches want to concentrate on all the bad or what? All the good. And that's way out of balance, the way community is supposed to work. Here, that we might have a man who just lost his job, and there might be a man who's just gained a job. The extremes of community. On another seat, there might be a young girl uh, recovering from abusive childhood or an abusive relationship and is healthy and, and wants, to, wants to desire a healthy relationship. On the other side, there might be a man who feels like he doesn't deserve communion because he's really messed up his life and he's had times in his life where he's been angry and he's, uh, he's yelled at people. So you have both extremes, don't we? We have those. That's community. That's community, the way it works. Life together in the church is a mixture of people at every stage of life. And take any one of these people apart from the community, and life would be so much less. One of the secrets of church is that it is life lived in community. So follow your notes on James in your verse. And we're just going to go through there and really highlight um, we're just going to highlight those things that James mentions. And I'll try not to get too personal with you. James 5.13 says, Is any, anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. How many of you have been suffering sometime in the last 12 months and shared something here in the community and have had people pray for you. That's community. That's community. Um, how many of you have had something cheerful happen in your life? Something to celebrate. And you've come here into this community and you've been able to share something positive that's happened in your life. You've shared it. And we're like, yes. Man, my, my week really sucked. But man, that was great for you. I'm really good. You've, you've, I'm really glad you've had a great week. That's community. 
That's how community works. Matter of fact, it says let him sing. We should be like singing birthday songs. We should be singing anniversary songs. Uh, we should be singing I'm going to Hawaii songs. You know, we have all these things to celebrate in our life. And oftentimes we go, oh, nobody wants to hear my good stuff. That's not true. We all want to hear good stuff. We want to celebrate with each other. Celebrating is something that is often forgotten. This idea of something good happened to me, I want to share it with others. Um, what about sickness? We have a growing number of people who are dealing with sickness in their life, dealing with cancer treatments, or dealing with uh, the flu. We've had all this flu epidemic lately. People getting sick. Um, part of part of our time together needs to be you guys opening up and saying, "I'm not feeling well. We, I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to to come and 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 uh, and spend some time with me and and just take me before the Lord in prayer." It's very important. Um, I remember back in uh, Fairbanks, uh, Alaska, uh, we had a, a, a man who had just recently married uh, into, uh, married a lady who'd been married before. She had, uh, I think, three daughters, and uh, or two daughters and two sons. So he'd inherited this family, young, very young. They were about our uh, older boys' ages. And uh, he found out he had, lymphoma he got lymphoma cancer and we were so so concerned as a church you know we were like oh no his name's rod um we've gone oh no he just got married this family's so young this can't happen to this family we've got what do we do what do we do and rod was a very new christian and he came across this verse in james and he called me up I'm sitting in the church going, what do I do? What do I do? I'm a young pastor. What do I do? This guy's sick. He, we can't lose this guy. I didn't even know what I should be doing. And Rod calls me up and says, hey, Pastor Rob, how you doing today? And I said, yeah, heard your news. I was just kind of thinking about you. And he says, well, I just came across this verse in James, and it says if there's somebody sick that I should call somebody to pray for me? Is that right? I go, yeah, <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. We should do that. And so a bunch of his hunting buddies and a, a few friends, we all got together in his home. We just came together. We prayed for him. We did that for a couple weeks. And he came through. He's living today, totally cancer-free, um, because we followed a recipe. Because we just followed what God wanted us to do for uh, another person in our community that we dearly loved. Your prayers, I believe, your prayers mean so much more if you live life with the person. I mean, I'll pray for anyone. But if I know that person, how much more powerful and intimate are my prayers? Because I know that if Rod had passed away, that would have deeply affected that family. That would have been a huge impact on those kids. So sometimes when you get to know and live life with someone, your prayers become much, much more fervent or much more uh, uh, meaningful in your own life. Uh, so live life. Live life in community. He goes on in James 5, 15, and he says, uh, Is anybody there who's committed sins? He will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has a great power 
as it is working. And basically saying, hey, is there anybody out there who's struggling with something, a bad decision? Um, maybe they've, they've uh, turned, away, turned away from God a little bit, and they need that encouragement from community. They need someone to come alongside. I'm not sure I know. I know a couple of people in my life that I've come across who do this really, really well. You want to know who that is? Nathan and Marie Bolick. They really love people. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been in life, and they see, they have a, an eye for people who are suffering, for people who are struggling through things in their life. And they have a way of coming alongside, not making you feel great about it, but helping you walk through some really difficult things. And I love that about them. But guess what? We need to be that for each other. We can't just say, okay, well, there's a tough person. Let bullies take care of it. <laughs> you know, isn't that what we normally do? Because we want to cop out, right? We want to just say, oh, well, I don't want to deal with that person and their, their stuff, you know. But we need to be that for each other. We need to come alongside each other and love each other and care for one another. That's the community. We may not understand everything everything's, everybody's going through. That's really not all that important that you understand it. What's the most important thing? That you're with them, right? What were you going to say? That you're there. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to be present. Sometimes you just have to be with someone. You know, I've been in the hospital, so I've got some nurses here. You can vouch for this if you want, physio. I've been in the hospital sometimes, and it makes all the difference, the nurse person that takes care of you. You know, you know that the, the nurse is going to give you the, the same medicine, whether they're cranky or whether they're not cranky, right? But I'd much rather have the not cranky one. You know why? Because it's community. You, we all want to be taken care of by someone who likes us who's trying to love us, who's trying to, to, to take care of us. Nobody wants to be taken care of by a cranky person, right? So we have to understand that that's part of community, us taking care of one another. We may not have all the answers, we may not really understand maybe the pain and the suffering that somebody's going through, but we can be there. We can mow a lawn, we can... Uh, Take a cup of coffee to somebody. We can uh, we can be there. Take a walk with someone. That's what community is all about. And we can help them through that struggle. We can understand because we've all sinned. We've all uh, fallen short of where we would like to be. And so we can help people who have been in that same spot as us. Help Help direct them into a tighter, closer relationship with God which is what all of us want. We all want that. We just have to live in community and help each other out to do better. He goes into verse 17. He says, look at Elijah. You know, Elijah it seems kind of out of character for this passage, but he talks about Elijah who, who's prayed, who prayed for it not to, to rain, and it didn't rain. So his point is, yeah, this guy was a, a great prayer. 
He was a good prayer, very strong prayer. God listened to him when he prayed. Is that the point here? It seems like it, that that's the point. But if you look a bit deeper and you know a little bit about Elijah's story, it's still about community. Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain for three, well, he didn't know how long. He said he goes to the king of the time, which is King Ahab. Have you ever heard of King Ahab? In the Old Testament, there's a guy named King Ahab, and he was a, not a nice guy. Um, he had a, you would know his wife, by the way. Her name was Jezebel. Have you ever heard of that name? We use that sometimes in our phrases. We call people what? A Jezebel. And what do we mean by that? It's not an endearing term, is it? <laughs> it's, it's not a good thing to be called that. Because she was a bad person as well. So Ahab and Je Jezebel were kind of the king and queen over when Elijah was um, around. And he goes up to King Ahab and he says, I'm going to pray that it doesn't rain. And it won't rain until God tells me it's going to rain. And guess what? It stopped raining. And... It didn't rain for over three years. Matter of fact, it didn't rain until Elijah goes back to the king and says, I propose we have a contest. Do you know this story? I propose we have a contest. I want my God to go up against your gods, the God of Baal. And they meet on this mountain. They have this contest. They set out the rules. And, you know, I, Elijah said, I want you, you to pray to your gods, and I'm going to pray to my God, and we'll see whose God answers. They get up on the mountain. Elijah says what? You guys go first. Sends them into bat. Right? Says, you guys go first. They, get, they, they pray, they pray, and they pray, and they start cutting themselves. They want their gods to listen to them so much they start hurting themselves, and no answer. And then Elijah gets kind of funny. He said he starts joking. I don't know if he's joking, but he gets kind of smart mouth with them. He goes, "Oh, where's your God? Why isn't they? Why aren't they showing up? Why aren't they answering?" You know this. You know this one. No, I'm just saying that would be James. That's James. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and he even says, "Maybe your maybe your God is taking a bathroom break." Basically, he says, "Maybe he's off in the bathroom in the toilet." Maybe he's not can't hear you in the toilet, right? And so they just go on and on, and they can't get their gods to listen. Elijah comes up, says one sentence. Fire comes down from heaven. It licks up all the offering that they had set on this big mountain. And then guess what? It starts raining. So it wasn't necessarily about the power of Elijah's prayer. It was about Elijah delivering God's people from an evil person. That's community. That's community. He was looking after who? God's community. He was looking after God's people. He was looking after God's people, and James says that's community. He goes on and ends, this, ends the passage and also ends the letter by saying, and it works. And the, the 
impact of community can turn somebody's life around is basically what he says at the end. Let me read it. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Basically, he's saying living in community with people will change the direction of their life. It will change who they are and who they will become. They might have been going towards one way, and then when they are impacted by the community of God, they change their direction completely. That's the impact that community can have. That's the impact that I believe we have been given and we have the, the job, the mission, to bring as many people into a community like that as possible so that they can change the direction of their life. Amen? There's another uh, theologian named Robert McAfee Brown, and he said this, I believe that we are placed here to be companions. I love that word. Companions. A wonderful word, word that comes... Um, from another word that means with bread. This, the, the original language means with bread. Uh, it gives me a picture of somebody who's coming over to your house and what do they bring? Yeah. I think it's, is it the Italians that every, every time somebody buys a house, what do they give them? What's that? Pasta. I don't know if they do pasta, but I know they do a bottle of wine and a loaf of bread. I think that's the, the, the tradition. I know it from, uh, you know, the, the movie, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Remember, It's a Wonderful Life. What's the guy's name? George. You remember? It's an old Christmas movie. He ends up buying all this cheap land and putting up really nice houses on it. And every time he rents a house to somebody, he gives them the wine and the bread as they move into their new house. That's this, that's this idea of we are companions. If somebody moves into a new house and we go, oh, well, whatever, it's a new house, then are we really community? No. If something happens really good in someone's life and we're not celebrating it with them, are we really community? No, we are not. In the same way, if something really tragic happens and we're not with them, are we really community? No, we're not companions with bread. That's a beautiful word, and I love it. We are here to share bread with one another so that everyone has enough and so that everybody feels like someone else loves them and cares for them. That's important. And as we become companions among ourselves, awareness grows that such companionship deserves to be extended to other people in the community. Our bread, our faith is shared. Another writer, a woman named Abby Graham, explained it like this. He, she says, God lives not, I think, in bread and wine, but in the breaking of bread and the sharing of wine. So oftentimes when we come around the table, we kind of emphasize the juice as it represents Christ's blood. 
and we emphasize the bread that is represented of his body that was shed for us, right? Often we don't emphasize the breaking of the bread and the giving of that to someone else or the pouring of the wine and the giving of that to someone else. Do you see what she's saying? There's no power in the bread and the wine, but there's power in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the wine. You see the difference? Companions with bread. Bread unbroken does not fortify the heart, but bread divided among all who hunger will sustain the spirit, she goes on to say. Pretty powerful message to all of us. There's just something about sharing our bread with other people. There's something about sharing our faith, sharing our lives together in the, the community. There's, there's a rightness about that. There's a righteousness about it. Another author relates a story told by her pastor. I love this. When the pastor was seven years old, um, the pastor had a best friend who got lost one day. And the little girl ran up and down the streets of the big town where they lived, but she couldn't find a single landmark. And she became very frightened, very afraid. Finally, a policeman stopped to help her. He put her in the passenger seat of his car, and they drove up and down the blocks until finally the little girl pointed out a building. And she pointed out this building and said to the policeman, Oh, that's my church. You can let me out now. I know how to get home from my church. For her, her church was what? Safety? Community? I know something that there's familiarity about that place and about those people. I'll conclude with these words. No matter how bad I'm feeling or how lost or lonely or frightened I get, when I see the faces of people at my church and hear their voices, I know I'm home. That's what the church is. Or it should be. And as Katie goes, that's where your community will be for you when you go. It will. You will always have a home. You will always have a home. As long as there's a community of faith a community of people who realize the importance of what that means. And I want to be that in this community for, for those people in this community so that everybody will be able to have a home even when things aren't going so well but also when things are going really, really well because that's what we want. We want to be a family, companions for each other, a community. And James wants that more than anything for the people that he's writing to. And he's encouraged us to do that this morning. So let's pray. And then I think we have some goodies. We've got bread to break. Got some bread to break. You ever wonder why we always eat? James 5. There it is. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you for today. Uh, we do pray that, uh, that you'll help us to become more and more your community. That, Lord, you'll give us open hearts, compassionate eyes, uh, listening ears as we uh, interact with one another and with you. Um, 
we hope that uh, we'll sincerely become companions. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.